Harvest New Beginnings Church is located in Oswego, Illinois. We exist for God's glory alone, encouraging each other to have a deep love for God and a sincere love for people. This message is brought to you by Pastor Scott Poling. Nine days ago, John Chow, 27 years old, from Vancouver, Washington. This man right here made contact with an isolated Stone Age tribe, the Sentinelese tribe. They, at one time in the mid-1800s, numbered around 8,000. They've dwindled anywhere between 35 to 250 people now. They live on a very remote island called North Sentinel. It's 20 square, 23 square miles. It's the size of Plainfield. Plainfield is 25 square miles. It's part of the Adaman Islands. It's in the Bay of Bengal in the Indian Ocean, 700 miles from the coast of India. Now, it's forbidden by law to go to this island and to go anywhere within three miles of the island. And at times, it's patrolled by the Indian government. You see, the Sentinelese are deeply suspicious and they are very dangerous. In 2004, a helicopter was sent to check on the tribe after a tsunami, and they were greeted with a barrage of arrows. In 2006, two fishermen strayed too close to the island, and they were immediately and brutally killed. John Chow was determined to make contact with this tribe. He paid some fishermen who uh, would drop him off a mile from the shore, and avoiding the government patrols, he paddled his kayak to the beach. He wrote in his diary about the first day of making contact with the tribe. One of them blocked me while another waded along the coast. A third with bow and arrow came down the middle and I figured this was it. He writes a little later, I disembarked my kayak to show them that I do have two legs. John gave them gifts, including fish. They took his kayak A little kid shot at me with an arrow. I stumbled back, recalling yelling at the kid for shooting at me. John attempted to speak to them. The Sentinelese then strung their arrows in their bows, and he panicked, waded back into the water, and swam almost a mile back to the fisherman's boat. The next day, November 17th, not too long ago, John gave his journal to the fisherman to give to a friend. He returned to the island with more gifts, scissors, safety pins, a football. The fisherman watched as John Chow made contact with the tribe. He was then shot with arrows and killed. His dead body was dragged along the beach, and they believed that they buried it in the sand. Why? Why would this young man do this? Why? Totally illegal. Why? I mean, extremely dangerous. Some would say extremely dumb. Why? Because John felt called to bring the message of Christ to a dying tribe. In another journal entry, John wrote, This is not a pointless thing. The eternal lives of this tribe are at hand. He would go on to write about Revelation chapter 7 and his desire to see this tribe around the throne of God, represented in worship. Jeff King, president of International Christian Concern, the organization that John Chow was associated with and was in contact with John at this time, wrote these words. John went there to bring the gospel to these people. He had talked about it. 
planned it for a while. It wasn't a whim. It wasn't a lark. John wrote to his parents asking them not to be angry with the Sentinelese or with God if he were to die, and that he would see them again when they passed through the veil. Whether you believe it was wise or not, whether you believe John was a fool or not, whether you believe this was the proper or the best way or plan to reach these people or not, one thing is very clear about John. He took the Lord's words to heart. He took the words of the Lord recorded in Matthew 28 very seriously to go and make disciples of all the nations. You may say, well, how could this guy do this? Just just the amazing bravery and the motivation to go halfway around the world and, and, and paddle from a kayak in the middle of the Indian Ocean to the shore of this island where there's known killers, this tribe, and, and, and to speak words to them. In another part of his journal, he recorded that he told them, my name is John and that I love you. And that Jesus loves you. And he named the name of Jesus for those tribe members to hear the name of Jesus. You may say, well, I I struggle with naming the name of Jesus with my coworkers. I struggle with telling my next door neighbor about Jesus. I, I struggle with even thinking about telling my classmates And when it comes to a complete stranger, Pastor Scott, it would almost be impossible for me to talk to somebody. I just, it's not me. I'm an introvert. I'm full of fear. I don't know how they'll react. This guy reached out in an amazing way. How? How is it possible? I want you to take your Bibles, if you have them, and turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. And I want us to learn how. And I want us to do more than learn how to share our faith. I want us to learn what. The what of the series that we are in. The series we're in is the DNA of a healthy believer. And a healthy church. What does it take to be spiritually healthy? What does it look like for me to be spiritually healthy and you to be spiritually healthy? Our church to be spiritually healthy because there's a lot of sick churches out there, spiritually sick, and there's a lot of spiritually sick Christians out there. We've started this series and and we've seen the greatest purpose in our life is for God's glory alone. The greatest command is to love God and to love others. And we live out that love, we notice, by connecting with one another, and then we learn to serve one another. But today, we're going to learn what it means to reach out, what it means to evangelize the lost. And evangelize means to proclaim good news. That's what that word means, just to proclaim good news. Now, the context of Matthew chapter 28 are 11 disciples, they've been in hiding. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb of Jesus, who's been resurrected. They see an angel, and he has a message for them. They will see the resurrected Lord. 
our Lord and Savior Jesus, and he has a message for them. And both of them will tell these ladies to tell the disciples to meet him in Galilee. And that's where we pick up the story in Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. Matthew 28, 16. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. When it comes to sharing Jesus with others, how do we do it? When it comes to talking to people about our faith, what does it take? What do we learn? The first thing is this. Be encouraged. Imperfect people are the perfect people. Say that with me. Be encouraged. Imperfect people are the perfect people. We have 11 disciples that are proceeding to Galilee, and these disciples are failures. They're complete and utter failures when it comes to following Jesus. They're heading to Galilee with their tails between their legs, so to speak. They've abandoned the Lord. They've denied the Lord. They are cowards who've been in fear of their lives hiding. And I want you to understand something. Though they have abandoned God, God did not abandon them. And, and, and though they gave up on God, God didn't give up on them. And God desires to use former failures, imperfect people, to share his perfect love. So imperfect people, you and me, are the perfect people to share the love of God's message with people. See, evangelism isn't for spiritually perfect people. It's for broken people. It's for fearful people. It's for people who have failed the Lord in their lives. That's who he wants to use. These failures are heading to Galilee. Galilee is about a five to six day walk from Jerusalem. So they've got plenty of time to think about this. To talk it over with themselves. And Galilee is also a great place of encouragement for them. If you remember, Galilee is where most of them were called by the Lord. It's where they first met Jesus, where their lives were changed forever. They have great ministry memories in Galilee with the Lord. It's a place of familiarity and security. It's kind of home turf, so to speak. Now, notice their responses that are recorded in verse 17. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some were doubtful. Some of them worship. Something about worship that just refreshes and renews us. That song in the middle of communion that we sang, man, just the powerful words of that song. So refreshing. So, so renewing. There's something about worshiping our God, putting away the distractions of this life that just kind of melts our fears away. Now, this wasn't the first time they had seen Jesus, though. 
In John chapter 20 and John chapter 21, we're told that they saw him eight days after his resurrection. They even had breakfast with him on the beach. So some worship, but it also says here that some were doubtful. They see Jesus and they doubt. There's hesitation, there's wavering is what it means. Some believe that this refers to a larger group than the 11. Either way, it doesn't matter. Some of his followers were doubtful. Some were hesitant. They had failed to grasp the repeated predictions of the Lord's resurrection. Maybe they were still struggling with that lingering despair of the horror of the crucifixion and his death. All I know is I am so glad for the honesty of Scripture. I'm so glad for the openness of the disciples' struggles. There are times followers of Jesus struggled with doubt. Thomas, obviously, is the best example. You're not alone in your fears, Christian. You're not alone in your doubts, Christian. See, I want you to understand something about true Christianity. True Christianity is not like a cult where you can't ask tough questions. True Christianity is, is not a place, you, you can't ask the tough questions, you can't, you can't wrestle with your doubts. True Christianity is about a living relationship with the living God, and we continue to grow in our relationship with Him. So it's okay to be open and honest. It, it, it's okay to call out to the Lord and ask for help. It, it's okay to reach out to others in those times of fear. In those times of doubt. See, evangelism isn't for spiritually perfect people. Evangelism is for cowards and failures and those who are wrestling even with doubts. Because that is who the Lord is going to give this message to. So when it comes to sharing your faith, be encouraged. Imperfect people are the perfect people. Secondly, be bold. The power of God empowers you. Say that with me. Be bold. The power of God empowers you. Jesus came up in verse 18. He speaks to them. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now Jesus speaks. This is the living son of man, the resurrected king of glory, the all-powerful, victorious one over the grave, and he is speaking. And when he speaks... He doesn't scold them. He doesn't scold them for their doubt and scold them for their unbelief. He doesn't scold them for abandoning him and denying him. He doesn't tell Peter, hey, I told you about that rooster, didn't I? He doesn't do that. By the way, he doesn't even command them to go ahead and execute those who executed me. Let's get some vengeance on some people, guys. Go get your swords and let's go get them. No, he would actually have a message of repentance and forgiveness for those who killed them. What does he do? He reminds them who's in charge. He says, you need to understand God is in charge and I am God. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. You have nothing to fear. You have no one to fear. That's God's message to them and that's God's message to you. I am in charge of everything, everywhere, at all times. You have no one to fear. 
and you have nothing to fear. All authority is my authority, says the Lord. I am in charge of everyone. I am in charge of everything. I have the final say over everyone. I have the final say over everything. You have no one to fear. You have nothing to fear. So much authority does Jesus have. It includes the judgment of every soul that has ever lived and ever died. John 5. For not even the Father judges anyone, but he has given all judgment to the Son. Listen carefully if you are here today without Jesus as your Savior. He will either be your Savior or he will be your judge. Repent of your sin. Turn from it. And turn and ask Jesus to save you from your sin. Let him save you. He is the only one that can. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority in heaven. He commands the angelic armies of warrior beings beyond numbers that we do not even see. He he dictates the course of planets and stars and galaxies, everything in this universe. He spoke them into existence out of nothing as the second person of the Trinity. He's in charge. All authority in heaven. All authority on earth. His are the open skies where birds take flight and lightning strikes and snowstorms roll in. His are the vast oceans teeming with every imaginable kind of sea creature. His are the deepest jungles and every crawling insect, animal, bird, and reptile. His are the winds and waves that obey his every command. Peace, be still. The mountains are his, the valleys are his, the skies are his handiwork too. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, say it with me. There is nothing my God cannot do. Charles Spurgeon put it this way. The power of self-existence, the power of creation, the power of sustaining that which is made, the power of fashioning and destroying, the power of opening and shutting, of overthrowing or establishing, of killing and making alive, the power to pardon and to condemn, to give and to withhold, to decree and to fulfill, to be in a word head over all things. All this is vested in Jesus Christ our Lord. Absolute, unlimited authority is his. So be bold. Be bold. The power of God is that which empowers you. Be bold. The authority of God is that which authorizes you to be bold, to not back down, to claim the name of Jesus and share it with this world. You have all the authority from the one who has all authority. Be intimidated by no one. Fear no one when it comes to sharing Jesus. Do not fear a boss. Do not fear a government or a politician. Do not fear that nasty, slanderous relative or a neighbor or a classmate. You have God's backing. You have God's approval. You have God's authority. You have God's empowerment. Be encouraged. Imperfect people are the perfect people. Be bold. The power of God empowers you. Thirdly, be energized and get going. Say it with me. Be energized. Get going. Verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Go! He 
says, I'm giving you the authority to go, now get going. What are you waiting for? Don't be like that guy when I'm driving, sitting at a green light. Drives me crazy. Get off your phone. Get going. And I just lay on the horn. Oh, so nicely. Deet, 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 deet. <laughs> Come on, man. I want you to understand, God is laying on the horn this morning. He's given you the green light to share Jesus with people at work, and you've been sitting there. He's laying on the horn this morning. He's given you the green light to share Jesus with your neighbors, and you still haven't done it, and you've lived next to them for 10 years. Get going. He's given you the green light to talk to your relatives about Jesus Christ before they die and go to a Christless eternity in the lake of fire. And you're sitting in a green light. Get going. Stop with all the distractions of this world and realize souls are in the balance. Get going. It's time. Go is active. It's not passive. And literally, this word is while going. While you're going with whatever you're doing, share Jesus Christ. So, while you're going to work, share your faith. While you're going to the grocery store, share your faith. While you're going to the gym, share your faith. While you're going to school, share your faith. While you're going on a run, share your faith. About 10 years ago, I was running through a neighborhood with my dog. I stopped to talk to a young man named Jacques while he waited for a bus. I introduced myself and my doggy scout. And I talked to Jacques about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And right there as he waited for a bus, he prayed to receive Jesus as a Savior. It was about 10 years ago. He's been a family friend and a part of our church ever since. We shared Thanksgiving together at my in-laws this past Thursday. That's just a fluke. Well, last year on a run with Kurt Drysickle. Where's Kurt? I saw him over here. Raise your hand, Kurt. There's Kurt. I was talking to Kurt about the Lord as we ran a 10-miler through the woods. We talked to the Lord. We finished our run down at Sawiki, down by the river in Oswego here. I said, Kurt, are you ready to pray and receive the Lord? And he said, I'm ready. And so after that run, he prayed to receive the Lord. And this past October, we baptized him right there with family and friends down at the Fox River. I remember running through a campground, Hideaway Lakes, talking to a lady named Loretta whose car had broken down. Shared the gospel with her. She prayed with me to receive the Lord. I'm just telling you guys, you can share Christ anywhere while going, while you're at work. While you're at a restaurant, while you're at the grocery store, while you're at school, while you're on a plane, while you're on a run, witness wherever you're going. Share Christ, whatever you're doing. What, what does it mean? It means go fishing. Go fishing every single day of your life. Isn't that what Jesus said in Matthew four nineteen? He said to them, follow me and I will make you what? fishers of men. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are to be fishing for men. So the question is, are you following Jesus? Because if you are not fishing for men, 
you're not following my Jesus. And you're not following your Lord. Because followers of Jesus are fishers of men. So are you going to start following Jesus? Are you going to start following Jesus? Because many of us have not been. We can say his name. We read our Bibles. We pray. We're a church. But are you telling people about the love of God before they go to the grave? It's time to follow Jesus. It's time to be a fisher of men. And by the way, this doesn't count. Evangelism. (laughs) Writing Jesus loves you on some seat at a diner doesn't count. Or on a bus. Or throwing a track at somebody. Come on. Talk to people about the Lord. And by the way, evangelism isn't just for professional fishermen. It's for every single follower of Jesus Christ. So when it comes to sharing your faith, be encouraged. Imperfect people are the perfect people. And be bold. The power of God empowers you. And be energized. Get going. Fourthly, be all-encompassing. Everyone everywhere needs Jesus. Say it with me. Be all-encompassing. Everyone everywhere needs Jesus. Make disciples of all nations. Now, I'm going to focus on the all nations right now. We'll see the making disciples next week. I want you to notice all nations. So there's no limits when it comes to sharing our faith. No limits. How many of you here are deer hunters? Raise your hand. Okay, you have a bunch of deer hunters in here. Now, when it comes to deer hunting, we're right in the middle of deer hunting season. Bow season runs through the third week of January. Shotgun season, I believe, ends today. It's, it's the few days before Thanksgiving, four days after Thanksgiving. Now, when it comes to deer season, there's a lot of limits. There's limits on the location you can hunt. There's limits on the dates you can hunt. There's limits on the guns you can use to hunt. There's limits on the time of day that you can hunt. There's limits on the amount of bucks that you can take in a hunt. I want you to understand something. When it comes to deer season, there's all kinds of limits. When it comes to sinner season, it's open season. Everybody is fair game. And there's a lot of sinners, and they're everywhere. So have at it. And there's no limit on the amount of sinners you can tag for the glory of God. There's no limit on their age. There's no limit on whether they're male or female. There's no limit on the location. There's no limit on the time of day you can talk to somebody about Jesus. It's open season all day, every day of the year on sinners. And I'm not talking about shooting them, but saving them. But saving them. And leading them to Jesus Christ. Because this is not about taking a life. This is about bringing life to those who are so dead in their sin. It's it's about saving people. Seeing Christ save people. Boy, there are a lot of lost people in this world without Christ. So many hopeless neighbors. Their lives are in shambles. They have no answers. 
They have no answers for, for, for their health and they have no answers for their finances and they have no answers for their marriages and they have no answers for their bankruptcy and they have no answers for the depth of the sin and shame and guilt in their soul they carry around all day long. And if someone would just tell them about Jesus, that he will forgive them and cleanse them, and take away all that guilt, take away all that shame, and free them. Do you remember what it was like when you received Christ as your Savior? The freedom, the freedom you had of forgiveness, the freedom of knowing your sins were forgiven, the freedom of the love of God. That's all you're sharing with people. It's open season, people. Sinners are everywhere, and they need the love of God. That's the power of the gospel. Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation to how many? To everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So go after everyone everywhere. It's time to go fishing. Go after everyone everywhere. It's time to go hunting. It's open season. There's no limits when it comes to sharing our faith. And, and all nations means exclude no one. God doesn't. I sure better not. Make disciples of all nations. I want you to hear this. It's the church. It's the church that should best model inclusion of everyone. It's the church. It's the church that first and foremost should stand against racism. It's the church. It's the church that's made up of all nations. Every ethnicity, every color, every language, every age, every background. All we have to do is just look at heaven. Revelation 5, 9 through 10, they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the book and break its seals, for you were slain, and you purchased for God with your blood men from what? every tribe and tongue and people and nation and you've made them to be a kingdom of priests to our God and they will reign upon the earth. Revelation 7, after these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could count from every nation, all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb. This is heaven. Heaven is this incredible kaleidoscope of color before God. This is a thing of beauty in the eyes of God. See, I want you to understand something about God. God loves color. All colors of people. He, he loves every hue and every shade of skin color. It was his idea was his idea. Black is beautiful. Brown is beautiful. White is beautiful. Yellow is beautiful. Red is beautiful. You are beautiful just how you've been made. Don't, don't you ever be ashamed of the color of your skin. Your creator crafted you that color. And don't you ever look down 
on another person of another color. If you dare think one color is better than another color, you are colorblind. And worse yet, you're racist. That's what you are. And you don't understand the heart of God. And you don't understand how he's created people. And you obviously don't understand who's going to be in heaven around the throne. And the last I checked, God still loves the world. John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loves this world. And we don't have to go around the world to share the gospel. Now, that, that's great if, if some do. A couple of weeks, we got a team going to Haiti. We, we support missionaries around the world. Many of you here have gone on short-term missions trips to different places in the world and shared the gospel with different people. But, but also realize that, that we have the nations at our doorstep. There's people from every nation all around us. We've got international students and co-workers and refugees and neighbors. And, and by the way, Aurora, the city of Aurora, is the 20th most diverse city in America in 2018. Economic, racial, ethnic, linguistic. It was the sixth right behind New York, Jersey City, Houston, and Dallas and Silver Springs, Maryland before that. There's a lot of diversity right around us as well. So what does God say? Go. Go and share. So when it comes to sharing your faith, say it with me. Be encouraged. Imperfect people are the perfect people. Be bold. The power of God empowers you. Be energized. Get going. Get fishing. Get hunting. And be all-encompassing. Everyone, everywhere needs Jesus. And next week, we will finish this passage and learn what discipleship is all about. If you've been prompted by this message and are in need of a new beginning, or would like more information about Harvest's new beginnings, visit at harvest.church.